This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We wish you a warm welcome from the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Who was Jesus? Was he a prophet, a good moral teacher, or a king who came to save his people from their sins? We hope you will stay with us today as we discuss Jesus' identity, his mission, and his place in our life. Today's message, Jesus Revealed. Congratulations, it's God. We are doing an in-depth investigation of the most unique person that ever lived, Jesus. I hope you'll stay with us as we continue our sermon series, Jesus Revealed. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we study your word today, our prayer is that you would reveal to us more great truths about Jesus so that we may see him more clearly love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly. In his name we ask this. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Luke chapter 3, beginning at verse 15. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John the Baptist, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming, and I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. Dear friends, though I received several Christmas gifts three weeks ago, I am just now discovering how wonderful some of these gifts are. Yesterday I started reading a new book that I received and now I can't put it down. It's great. I'm so glad I opened it. As we think of the greatest Christmas gift of all, Jesus, it's important for us to take a close look at him and discover and perhaps even rediscover the wondrous things about Jesus. If we're really going to appreciate him, we can do that by examining the gospel narratives, which reveal some great truths about Jesus, who he is, what he's about, what he means for our lives. So today we're going to take another look at Jesus in this sermon series entitled, Jesus Revealed. Before we look at our text, I'd like to share a favorite Christmas story of mine. There were some first graders that got together and decided to write their own version of the Christmas story. It was more modern than, than the traditional drama. There were the familiar members of the cast, Joseph the shepherds, an angel propped up in the background, but Mary was nowhere to be seen. Suddenly, behind the bales of hay came some loud moaning sounds. Evidently, Mary was in labor. Soon, the doctor arrived, dressed in a white coat with a stethoscope around his neck. Joseph, with a look of relief on his face, took the doctor straight back to Mary. Then he began pacing back and forth in front of the scene. 
After a couple of minutes, the doctor emerged with a big smile on his face and announced, Congratulations, Joseph! It's a god! (laughs) That's really the story of Christmas, isn't it? Congratulations! It's God! And that's the main truth revealed to us in today's story about the baptism of Jesus. He's 30 years old now. We know very little about his childhood from Scripture. Well, Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. Some people ask, why would Jesus be baptized? For John's baptism was for the forgiveness of sins, and Jesus was sinless, wasn't he? He was sinless. What he's doing here, as far as I've been able to tell, the best answer to this is he's identifying himself with sinful people. And he's dedicating himself to the mission that God had for him to be the Savior. After Jesus came up out of the water and was praying, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, and he heard the voice of God, You are my Son, my beloved, with you I am well pleased. I'm delighted. Jesus here is getting God's endorsement, isn't he? His approval. It's true. You're my son. He's the son of God, God in the flesh. And while his divinity is being announced, there's more here for us to consider as we look carefully at those words that God spoke. We see that uh, this is also a, a coronation of a king. These words, the first part, come from Psalm 2, verse 7, which is a coronation psalm for the kings of Israel as they're given authority. It's also a commissioning. He's receiving his orders concerning his mission and what it's to be about. With whom I am well pleased are words taken from the servant song in Isaiah 42 which speaks of one who will come and serve the people by suffering and dying for them. So this Jesus is no ordinary person, but the Son of God come to die for sinners that we might be rescued and restored to a relationship with God, according to this statement. As the Gospel writer John wrote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, dwelling among us full of grace and truth. This text also reminds us that Jesus is a member of the Holy Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all in his story. God spoke. The Spirit descended upon Jesus, and Jesus was pronounced as God's Son. As the Spirit descends upon him, we're reminded that he is the powerful one that John the Baptist spoke of when he said, one more powerful than I is coming. I baptize you with water. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. But we can't stop there. Once we've grasped that Jesus is God, it's every bit as important for us to grasp that Jesus is also true man. Following the baptism, Luke gives a lengthy genealogy of Jesus that threads from him on to King David, to Abraham, even to Adam at the creation of the world, who's referred to as the Son of God. Jesus is the second Adam, as the Apostle Paul tells us, the perfect, sinless man, as God intended, the perfect sacrifice uh, 
for humanity's sinfulness. What credentials this Jesus has. Son of God, sovereign king, commissioned servant king of God, true God, true man, sent to save us from our sins. This is no ordinary baby that was born that first Christmas. Just as the angel said, this is the Son of God, who later on would say himself, he who has seen me has seen the Father. The Father and I are one. So the bottom line here is that Jesus is God taking the initiative as he always does throughout the biblical story, to save us. He is the way of salvation for sinners, the only way God has provided for us to be rescued from our greatest problem, sin and death. Jesus, the Son of God, is the only one qualified to deliver us The great Christian author John Stott explains it this way, The divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, and the righteousness of Christ uniquely qualified him to be man's redeemer. If he had not been man, he could not have redeemed men. If he had not been a righteous man, he could not have redeemed unrighteous men. And if he had not been God's son, he could not have redeemed men for God or made them the sons of God. Here's an analogy I found helpful to explain this truth. Think of an, of an air-sea rescue. Suppose you're in a little boat on the water and you need to be rescued. There's a rope in that little dinghy, but you cannot use it to climb up to the helicopter overhead. Salvation has to be from the top down, so someone who is secured at the top is lowered on the winch, and by embracing him, you're lifted with him to the position from where he came. Salvation has to be from above. Only God can save. We cannot climb up for the simple reason that we have nothing to climb on. But here's the good news. Christ has come down to us. He came on this incredible journey from heaven to earth. And in him, God is reaching out to every person on this planet. So, we've seen who he is. The big question is, what are we going to do with him? We live in a pluralistic world with so many religions competing for our attention and allegiance. And we have some who will talk of Jesus as simply a great moral teacher. Like other great teachers or prophets, the the Muslims believe Jesus was a prophet. The Buddhists think him an avatar. The Jews reject him as a fraud. There are others who will try to convince us that he is just one of many ways to God. Some people will twist him, spin him, in order to make him fit into their own world thinking. But Scripture does not give us that luxury. It says, and so did Jesus, that he's the Son of God. 
the only way to a relationship with the Heavenly Father. He's God's only means of saving a sin-sick world. He suffered death on a cruel cross to pay for our sins. He is the bridge between God and humankind who have been separated by our sin. We can say all these things with assurance as Christians because Jesus rose from the dead after his crucifixion. That was the final proof, the authentication of everything he had said and did. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, and all authority is his, and he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. My friend, are you ready for him? Suppose he came today. Suppose this was today's last day for you, your last breath. Are you ready? Consider this statement from the great Christian thinker C.S. Lewis, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He did not intend to. So, what are we to do with this Jesus who has been revealed to us? It's really quite simple. Believe in him. Trust him with your whole being. Rest with certainty on what he has done for you at the cross and the empty tomb. That's the whole point of the gospel narrative of Luke. If you go back to the beginning, listen to how Luke begins the gospel narrative. He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught." Did you catch that? I wrote this that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught about Jesus Christ. All this was written that you may place your trust in him. Jesus is the help that God has promised since the beginning of time, and you can be confident that he is able to do in your life what no other person and no other teaching could ever do. He is the solid foundation, folks, upon which to build your life. And if you're holding back from him, thinking, oh, someday maybe, 
I want you to consider these words of the Apostle Paul to some non-believers in Athens, Greece. The times of ignorance God overlooked. Now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. My friends, to know God, one must know and have a relationship with the appointed one, Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world. The appeal this day is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, having heard this gospel, ask him into your life today. Trust in him for your salvation. And for those of you that have received him into your lives, continue to rest in him with a deep certainty that nothing can separate me from the love of God in Jesus Christ. For this one, affirmed by God as his son, Jesus, there is no other on which we can stand. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we give you thanks today for the greatest gift anyone could ever receive, Jesus. Help us to trust him in all things. In his precious name we ask this. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to trust Jesus for your salvation so you're able to rest with a deep certainty that you are his and he is yours for eternity. Christian Crusaders has been blessed by the financial and prayerful commitment of our listening family in 2018. As we look forward to this new year, we ask you to continue to remember this ministry as part of your weekly worship. Share the ministry with your family and loved ones who long to hear the Word of God. We are easily found online on our website, christiancrusaders.org, and by social media on Facebook and Twitter. And if you so feel led to support us financially, you can do so on our secure internet site by calling our office toll-free and by mail to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Our phone number is 1-888-693-2484 or 1-888-MY-FAITH. Conducting our service today was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota. We are thankful you could join us and invite you to worship with us again next Sunday. Christian Crusaders has been blessed to broadcast biblical truth for the past 83 years.